Well, amen. What a great video that Brother Mike Collins and Eli put together uh, to kind of open up our evening as we talk about Christian education. And certainly that video is going to be used um, on our Facebook pages as well as our website for the schools. We are making a push to reemphasize, revitalize um, our school, both in our church and in our community. And uh, thanks for being here tonight. This, I don't know what to call uh, what I'm about to do. Um, I don't know if it's a sermon. Um, I, don't, I don't know what it is. Um, I don't want to call it a speech, um, necessarily. Um, maybe an explanation. Uh, I, I think, knowing me, there might be some preach that finds its way into this. Um, because I believe in what I'm saying tonight. Uh, but ultimately... Um, I, you've noticed that, that the service has been abbreviated and there wasn't a lot of worship, anything like that. And I just want to consider your time because I've got a lot to say, if I'm honest with you tonight. And, and we've got a, a lot to happen in the open house. And I want to be respectful of your time um, while at the same time saying everything I think needs to be said to our church tonight about Christian education. Um, this, this, I'm just going to call it a message tonight. Um, this could be potentially controversial. The education debate, the education talk. Um, and that's not intentional on my part. That's not what I want from this tonight. Um, it's just the nature of an issue that has multiple opinions. Um, Romans 14 speaks of the church at Rome that had multiple opinions on what day they should worship the Lord, what kind of meat they should eat, those kind of things. And we talked about that in our church a couple of weeks ago when we talked about how do we deal with others around us that we disagree with, but those, those areas aren't clearly forbidden in Scripture or spelled out in Scripture. And I hope that you'll go back and listen to Romans 14. But, but just, just the nature of how we educate our children, there are so many opinions out there. About that, And here's what I want you to know from my heart. That's okay. I'm not uncomfortable with that. I, I'm not uncomfortable if you disagree with me tonight at all. I just want us all to handle it in a charitable way. And, I, and, and, and as the pastor of this church and someone that has prayed over this specific issue in this ministry uh, for well over two years now, um, I'm persuaded in my mind as to the direction I want our church to go um, in, in terms of our, our Christian academy and our Christian school ministry. But that doesn't mean that I get to choose for you. Um, I just want to be clear on where we're at. So I'm going to make some clear preface statements, um, not apologies, but clear preface statements uh, before I get into really the body of the message tonight. And, and, and as we know it, I think there are probably three choices that we all have when it comes to how we educate our children. There's Christian education, and I think that what falls into that would be like the private schools and charter schools throughout our state. That would fall into that category, though we really don't claim to be a private or charter school. Um, we are intentionally calling ourselves a Christian school or a Christian academy. And then there's public education. And then there's home education. I believe with all my heart that the choice for education is to be left completely up to the parents. Not the pastor, not the church, and not the government. This message tonight is not at all about uh, me trying to usurp your authority in your home. I honor that 
and I respect that. My goal through this message is threefold. Number one, I want to provide clarity to our church membership as to why we have a Christian academy. Number two, I want to provoke the thoughts of every parent in here by talking honestly about some risk involved in choosing the public education system. Number three, I want to speak to some common objections or or hesitations when it comes to sending your child to our Christian academy. That's my threefold purpose. Let me say this. Having a Christian academy in our church is not a conviction to me. It's a standard. And there is a big difference between the two. A conviction is something you're absolutely convinced of based on clear scriptural precept or principle. Almost as though you would die for it. A standard is what you choose to do to help to stay true to that conviction. My conviction based on scripture is this as a parent. I need to give my son Kevin the best chance to have a heart for the Lord. I'm convinced of that based on scripture. That's my job as a parent. One of the standards of many that helped me accomplish that is a Christian school. Because I believe that 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 form of education gives my son the best chance to have a heart for the Lord. I would expect every Christian parent in here to share that same conviction that you should give your child the best chance to have a heart for the Lord long term. Do you agree with that? It's clear in Scripture. That's not really up for debate. But the standard you choose to help you in that is not as clear in Scripture. And it's not for me as the pastor for the church to choose for you. You have the Christian liberty, look up Romans 14, to choose Christian education, home education, or public education. Here's my promise to you. That should you choose a different standard in terms of education for your child than Christian education, you will still have my support and my respect. You will not be treated any different. You will not be robbed of any opportunities for service or leadership in our church. And you will not be manipulated or guilted to change your mind. You have my promise that your kids will not be treated any different or loved less than our Christian school kids. I think I've proven that in my 10 years as a youth pastor in being heavily involved in public school students' lives and in supporting their activities. But that doesn't mean that I'll remain silent about our Christian academy in efforts to dodge the possibility of offending anyone who doesn't choose to utilize it for their family. FBA is a ministry of the church I pastor. Therefore, it's a ministry that will have my involvement, my energy, my leadership, and my support in and out of the pulpit. If I can't support it, we're not having it. And I feel like I can support it, so we're having it. I also want to promise my support for every one of our public school teachers that go to our church. When it comes to public education, hear me please, public school teacher. I do not believe that our Christian teachers are part of the problem. I believe they are God's vessels to be part of the solution. We will continue to reach public school students and love public school students. We will continue to show liberal love to public school teachers, coaches, and administration. We will continue to have a Teacher Appreciation Day every other year where we encourage, give, and pray for public school teachers. We're going to continue to allow our public school district here to utilize our facilities as they need them, which is what they're doing this this next week. There will be over 100 public school teachers in our building next week. 
If you teach in a public school, you will have a friend in this pastor. And you have the support of this church. But that doesn't mean that I will shy away tonight and in the future from pointing out some very real risk involved in public education. But hear me, the risks that I mention have nothing to do with the role you play in public education, Christian teacher. I love you, I'm support you, I'm for you. With all that being said, let me give you the answers to why we choose to have a Christian academy. In one statement, here it is. We have a Christian school ministry because God has given the home and the church a shared responsibility to propagate the faith to the next generation. Let's talk about that responsibility shared by the home and the church. Here's the home's responsibility. The responsibility of the home is to train their children in God's word. Now, I think there are two passages of scripture that support that idea. Proverbs 22, 6 is one of them. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verses 6 through 7. And these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when, thy, uh, when thou risest up. So God clearly places the responsibility to train children squarely on the shoulders of the parents. By God's design, listen, the very heart of Israel's worship and instruction to the next generation began in the home, around the table, in the midst of daily chores, at bedtime, any opportunity that parents could seize to talk to their children about God. Here's what I believe, church, that one of the greatest problems facing America today is the tragic falling apart of the family. Millions of children don't have parents who consider, much less embrace, their responsibility to nurture and develop and train and educate their own children. Parents today often view school more as a babysitting system than as a part of their responsibility in raising their children for the Lord. There's a problem with that. Listen, the church can and, and should play a vital role in helping raise children and educate children, but neither a church or a school can ever replace the responsibility of a parent to train up a child in the way he should go. Pastor Paul Chappell said, the heart of the matter begins in the heart of the home. I believe that. The church has a responsibility too, and it's to teach God's Word. Jesus made this clear when He gave the Great Commission to the church. He said in Matthew 28 and verse 19, put that up there, uh, Brother Bryce. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Watch this. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So he's speaking this to the church. He's saying you have a clear teaching role, a discipling role in the lives of people. And many churches, including ours, have established a Christian academy to help them fulfill this very role. So our academy kind of serves as, as a teaching arm of the church, and it provides an education that is Bible-based and Christ-centered. Now, children in FBA, they're going to learn to see all areas of life through the lens of God's Word, and I love that. For instance, they learn in science that God created them, and they're not here by accident. They don't just learn about the elements and the particles of science. They're directed uh, by the curriculum to marvel at the wisdom of God in creating these intricate systems. And there's no other possibility 
that they're taught. In history, economics, math, and English, students learn to apply God's principles and see through uh, God's perspective in all areas of life. It's not that that they are constantly learning the Bible, but the Bible is constantly um, making its way through every single subject taught at our school. So while a student is going to learn 2 plus 2 equals 5, I mean 4, 2 plus 2, just making sure you're awake, 2 plus 2 equals 4, they're going to go down to the bottom of the page and they're going to write in a scripture verse. That's math, but they're, they're, they're learning God's perspective. And, and I like that. Not to mention, they're going to have daily morning devotions from our school administrator, one weekly chaplain service from our pastoral staff and others in the church, and athletic trips that include devotions and, and preaching services attached to them. Which, by the way, if you study, it was actually how children were educated when public education first came to be. The first elementary school supported by tax money was established in Boston in 1647, just five years after the Bay Colony was established. The Puritan community passed an ordinance that required at least one qualified teacher for every 50 householders and a grammar school in every town more than 100 families. It also put the Bible in the center of its curriculum, asserting that, and I quote, one chief project of that old deluder Satan is to keep men from the knowledge of the scriptures. That was spoken in public education. I have to say that's a far cry from the public schools of today. We'll talk about that in a minute, but my point is that what Christian education offers is not just academic in nature. We offer a biblical worldview, which you won't find in in at least public education. And we feel compelled to do so because the Bible says the church needs to do so. We need to teach them. Now, now here's what's, what's a little bit sad to me, especially even in Christian families. I think some see academic knowledge and spiritual instruction as distinct and unrelated from each other. You go to school to learn about math and you go to church to learn about the Bible and you never blend the two. I contend that the best framework through which to gain academic knowledge is a scriptural perspective. Because through that filter, knowledge that is contrary to biblical truth will be discarded. As John Witherspoon, the first president of Princeton University said, cursed be all learning that is not subservient to the cross of Christ. So through a Christian academy, a church can disciple young hearts and and teach Christ-centered academics where every facet of learning comes back to understanding and knowing Jesus Christ. Now, imagine this. Imagine how good of a chance you give your child to have a heart for God. When they get trained in God's Word at home, and I hope you're training them in God's Word at home, and for 35 plus hours a week, they get taught in God's Word at church and school. That's a powerful combination. Obviously, it's not a fail-proof combination. Many children have had the privilege of coming to our church and coming to our school, and yet they made their own choice to walk away from what they were taught. That possibility is real, but it's not a valid excuse for why Christian education doesn't work. For two reasons. Number one, it's undeniable that, that you put somebody under the sound of God's word and you weave it into daily curriculum, they have a better chance to have a heart for God. Number two, I can give you three kids that are still serving God today for every one kid you can give me that's not. That's proven when you look around Fellowship Baptist Church and you look in our choir and you look on our instrumental team and you look in our children's churches, and you look in our nurseries, and you, and, and, and you look all around the building. Our security team, our greeting team, every facet of the ministry 
is represented by young adults today, old adults today even, that graduated from Fellowship Baptist Academy. Yeah. So that's the first thing I, I, I wanted to answer. Why do we have it? Well, because we share that responsibility as a church and a home to propagate the faith to the next generation. Now, I want to spend the next few minutes talking about one of the alternatives to Christian education. That's public education. And I want to bring up the risk involved in that. Now, if you want to misunderstand me as any message I preach, really, you'll misunderstand me tonight. If you want to. If you want to, if you want to um, interpret um, what I'm saying is, as I don't, I don't appreciate public school teachers and I don't love public school students and the public schools of the devil. If you want to interpret that, you will, but that's not my heart. Nowhere close to my heart. But as a pastor, in favor of what I feel is a better alternative, I'm going to tell you what are some very real risks associated with the public education system. And, and, and I'm going to tell you these because if you choose to, to, to educate your child through that avenue, listen to me closely. You've got to step it up in your parenting. We all should step it up in our parenting no matter what. But if you're going to choose public education, there are a lot of good teachers, even in our district and surrounding districts, but, 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 but the risk involved is greater, and, and you're going to have to work harder to out-influence that. Are you with me? So I'm, I'm going to give you two very real risks, um, and I'm going to pray God helps these come off right and for you to receive them in the spirit that I'm going to try to give them. Here's the first risk. There's a moral risk of public education. Now, Psalms chapter 1 delivers one of the most incredible promises in the Bible, and that's a guarantee of a fruitful, prosperous life. Look at Psalms chapter 1 in verse 1 through 3. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in this law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. By the way, that's the first passage of Scripture that our Christian school students learn upon coming to school. Every year they learn Psalms chapter 1, and they memorize it, and they've got to say it. It's, it's pretty awesome. The word blessed in verse 1 describes what every parent wants for their child. Happiness. Joy. And the verses I read emphasize the connection between relationships and happiness, relationships and prosperity, relationships and success. And based on these verses, I would say that allowing your children, not just in education, in any part of life, allowing your children close associations with and influence from those who are willfully ungodly and who scorn godly living, listen, that poses a tremendous risk to their success. That's what the word says. Believe it or not, there is a greater threat to your child's success than a poor academic education. And that's a sinful environment. Whether it's at school, whether, whether it's out on a ball team, whether it's at a birthday party, it doesn't matter where it's at. I'm not just picking on a school. I'm saying anywhere where, where they have close association with that which is ungodly or scorns that which is godly, that is more dangerous than a poor academic education. I think you'd agree that under the pretenses of diversity and tolerance in 2020, public schools of today are exposing children to ungodliness. 
Some have tried to censor it. Some haven't tried at all. It depends on what part of the country you live in. Although I believe there are some incredible Christian teachers in the public schools who lend their influence to make a difference for good, I don't believe that in a, in a large part they're the majority. Many of the teachers stand openly against Christian values. There's some who mock creation, the Bible, purity, God's plan of marriage, sexuality, and morality. I believe that, that putting a child in the public school has the potential, note I said has the potential, to be equivalent to directly placing him or her in the seat of the scornful. Where day after day the possibility exists that their faith will be assaulted, challenged, and questioned. Sometimes openly, but most of the time subtly. And here's what I mean by that. In our public school district, they may not hear a teacher openly attack Christianity or Christian values, but many of their teachers, by way of their sinful lifestyles and their openly homosexual lifestyles, will subtly influence your child when it comes to what the Bible teaches on morality, sexuality, and marriage. I mean, think about this. How can we nurture hearts and minds for God when at the same time we're exposing these young hearts and minds to over 35 hours per week of godless indoctrination, if not by way of teaching, at least by way of example in so many, in so many instances? Let me, let me give this disclaimer. I will say that we, we currently have in our church, we have had in our church, and I think we will have in our church, students in our youth group that attend public school and still have a heart for God. Still have a life that is pure. Still have a successful future ahead of them. My wife is one of them. That is attributed to two things. The grace of God, number one, and to really good parenting. So it's possible. It can happen. But so far in my 14 years of ministry here, that's not the norm. By far, what I've seen as a youth pastor in this church through the years is that those who attend public education, it's possible they've had a harder time in areas of purity, holiness, and long-term spiritual growth. Just being honest with you. Now let me be clear. Children in a Christian school will encounter sin. Yet the difference is that in a Christian school, the sin is never school-sponsored. We will never hire a teacher that teaches evolution. A Christian school will not hire a teacher that lives an unholy life on the weekend or practices homosexuality, ever. A Christian school will not hire a coach that cusses when he gets mad. A Christian school doesn't use curriculum that helps young people discover their sexual orientation and then encourages them to be proud of their sin and tolerate other sinful lifestyles, ever. We won't ever sponsor an event that promotes immodesty or the losing of virginity. This isn't even to mention the increased influence of sin through peers. Notice I said increased influence because even in a Christian school we have negative influence. But the difference is that in a Christian school the pressure and influence is minimized. Not always because our kids are better but because we have stricter rules and higher expectations for holiness. And we're able to. So there is sin in Christian school but it's not promoted or encouraged by the school or the faculty. It's minimized as much as possible. It's preached against. It's never tolerated. 
And the difference is significant in nurturing the heart of a child. That is, it's significant. So there's a moral risk. But then there's a philosophy risk. Okay? There's a da- it's kind of dangerous, but, but, it's, but it's not easily detected. It's a philosophy that is in public education called humanism. Humanism rejects God in the Bible. It encourages its followers to set their standards and lifestyles based on human reason and godless philosophies. Now watch what the Apostle Paul says about godless philosophies in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8. He says, beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Paul said, you better beware. The beliefs of humanism, listen, they are directly opposed to the values of Scripture. If you don't believe me, I'm going to give you some basic tenets of humanism taken directly from the Humanist Manifesto. I quote, We affirm that moral values derive their source from human experience, needing no theological or ideological sanction. In other words, man can figure out how to live life apart from God. Here's another one. Religious humanists regard the universe as self-existing and not created. Humanism believes that a man is part of nature and that he has emerged as a result of a continuous process. Humanism asserts that the nature of the universe depicted by modern science makes unacceptable any supernatural or cosmic guarantees of human values. Religious humanism considers the complete realization of human personality to be the end of man's life and seeks its development and fulfillment in the here and now. No eternality whatsoever. These are the core values of some of those nationally leading our public education system. And said, in fact, Charles Francis Potter, who's the former president of the National Educators Association, came right out and said, every American public school is a school of humanism. No, not in southwest Kansas. We're good old folks. I I would encourage you to think twice about that. Abraham Lincoln said this, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. And his prophecy is being fulfilled right now. A generation raised in the beliefs of globalism and free morals are electing government leaders with those same exact beliefs. Hear me, when we are determined that our public schools should not allow prayer or should not allow coaches and teachers to pray or promote the Ten Commandments or acknowledge God, we have pulled the foundation of success and blessing out from beneath our children and we ultimately undermine the very foundations of freedom. I expected a few more amens on that. When we pull prayer and God out of public schools willfully, and by the way, it's happening subtly in this neck of the woods. We pull out the foundation of success from underneath our children. And you've got to understand that humanism, especially around here, isn't thrown straight in the faces of our students. It is slowly creeping into their hearts and bends their thinking over the course of 13 years. When I think about these risks, the moral risk and philosophical risk, my mind, you know what it goes to as a parent, is how I often protect my child from risk in daily life. Follow this. Over the years, especially in the last two decades, risks have increased in terms of our children's physical, mental, sexual, and spiritual safety. Have they not? And because of that, as parents, our protection over them and precautions for them have increased. For instance, because drinking and driving is an increased risk today, we've taken increased precautions by making sure our kids are buckled up and bubble wrapped every time they get in the car. 
This is opposed to the limited precautions we took back in the 90s whenever I rolled around on the floorboard on my way to vacation. Because the risk of sex trafficking and rape and kidnapping has increased, our precautions have increased. And we no longer allow our kids to roam around town unsupervised for hours at a time when they're little. This is opposed to how I grew up. I lived as far as you can down south on 1440 South Grant, almost out of the out of the county. And I was able to get on a bike and ride all the way to Oliver Brown and play baseball unsupervised with my friends all day long, every day during the summer. And my, I didn't have a cell phone. They couldn't track my location. Why, the risk was less. Or my parents were more naive, one of the two. But with increased risk as parents, we've wisely taken increased precautions. And the same is true with the risk of public education in some regards. The moral risk has increased over the years. It hasn't gotten better. The philosophical risk, though it's slower in our part of the country, is still increasing. And as the risk increases, I'm urging you as Christians to take increased precautions. Whether that's your parenting, if you still send them public education, I already told you. I will support you. I will pray for you. I'll be at your kids' events. I will love you. I will not look down my nose at you. I promise you that. But you better take increased precautions. You better be wise. If, you want, if the main goal of yours as a parent is to develop in your heart a, a heart for God, in developing your child a heart for God. Now, I've said a lot up to this point, but, but I want to close by speaking into what I think are the common objections or hesitations when it comes to sending your, your child to Fellowship Baptist Academy. These are what I've heard over the years as I've been in recruiting mode and as I've been in marketing mode and talking mode with people from our own church. These are the main hesitations and objections. I want to speak to those honestly. Here's the, here's the number one answer I get. It costs too much. I can't afford it. This is the number one reason. Let me speak to that in a couple ways. First, the tuition cost, you can look it up on our website, for both our pre-K, our little learners, and our Christian School Academy is drastically lower than any private or Christian school I've seen in research in the entire state of Kansas. Definitely the lowest tuition rate that I've researched among Baptist churches that have academies or schools. My buddy in um, Tampa, Tampa Bay, Florida, um, who has, he's pastoring a church there, and he has both a pre-K and he has an academy and he just raised his annual tuition cost to $7,000 a year. What is ours a year? Off the top of your head, church member. About $1,800 a year. We lose money off the school. We aren't making money off you. It costs us money. That's why it's a ministry of ours, one we believe in. Secondly, I truly believe this when it comes to our finances. We prioritize what we prioritize, we pay for. If you prioritize a nice phone, you'll pay for it. You prioritize a new car, you'll pay for it. You prioritize eating out, you pay for it. You prioritize golf, you pay for it. Just find a way. And the same is true with education. If you prioritize your child getting a biblical worldview for over 35 hours a week, you'll find a way to pay for it. For the most part, it's not a matter of I can't afford it. I have found that it's a matter of I can't afford it and maintain my current lifestyle at the same time. You want to send your child to a Christian academy, it's going to take financial sacrifice. It will, but it'll pay off. It's an investment that'll pay off in the long run. Third, 
we are currently working on a solution to help offset the cost of tuition for our church members. This is on top of the already discounted rate um, that our church members get, and that discount's already sizable. Uh, Lord willing, by January of this next year, we will launch what we're going to call the Fellowship Baptist Academy Scholarship Foundation. This foundation will be under the oversight of myself, the administrators, the deacons of our church. Church members uh, will be eligible to apply for a partial or full scholarship for their children. Uh, these funds will be provided by donors, both in our church and in our community, who believe in what we're doing. Um, it's already, we, we already have, um, I think, at least two, two different folks, maybe three, that on an annual basis are offering finances as a way of scholarship um, for students to go to our school, and we're going to increase that and promote that. Um, and then our K Cafe out there has, in the past, the funds have been used for our college ministry. We're shifting that, and we're going to begin to fund our college ministry out of our general fund, and, and we're going to um, staff the K Cafe with whoever wants to be a barista. So um, you can talk to Miss Liz about that. Um, but starting in January, every single penny spent in the KKFA will go right to the Fellowship Baptist Academy Scholarship Foundation. And so when you buy a coffee, um, you know, the profit from that is going straight to um, that foundation, just a perpetual fundraiser. So that's one thing the church is doing to help, um, as well as keeping the tuition at very low. So if you think it's high, just do some research. It's unbelievable how low it is. Let, let me give you another objection. If my child goes to the Christian school, they will miss out on academic and athletic opportunities. Very real hesitation. Um, I'm going to be upfront with you about the weaknesses and inabilities of our school as it stands right now when it comes to these two issues. When it comes to academics, we don't have science labs. Uh, we don't have gigantic computer labs. We have computers, but we don't, we don't have um, some of those things um, that the public school system funded by the government and others can, can afford. Um, we don't have every single sport available for your child to play. We just don't have the money to fund those athletic opportunities like the public school does. Here's what we do have. We have individualized learning. So, so if your student is excelling in a subject, they won't be held back by other students in their class who are not excelling. If your student's struggling in a subject, they'll be tutored personally, and their daily goals will be adjusted to help meet their needs. When it comes to our academic strengths, ACE, which is our curriculum, is a reading-based curriculum. So the phonics are absolutely incredible. So much so, and you can confirm this with, with uh, Brother Kay, who's been an administrator now for 33 years. When an intermediate age kid comes to our school, and they haven't been to our school up to that point, they are at least one or two grades behind in their reading when matched up against our curriculum standards. So we aren't weak in that area at all. Our weaknesses, I'm just being honest with you, in the, they, they are in the upper level mass and sciences. Notice when I said reading levels, I, I'm talking about intermediate students. Okay, the, the ones that have just are, are, are in the learning stages. Um, our weaknesses are in the upper level mass and sciences. Uh, we did a survey as a school staff, and we sent out to past graduates, teachers, um, all kinds of folks that are associated with our school. And the number one critique that we got was our, our upper, upper level maths and sciences. Um, they aren't crippling weaknesses at all, but I'm going to acknowledge them as not being as strong in our curriculum as they should be. And I think in, 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 in the future, as we're capable, we're going we're to adjust those and improve those subjects on the upper levels. When it comes to your child missing out on future academic opportunities in terms of future learning in colleges and universities, 
if they go to our school. I, I want to go ahead and say that's a myth. We are not accredited by the government in the future. Or, or right now, we, we won't be in the future. There's a lot of advantages to that, by the way. Um, but that has never hurt our students' opportunity for college. We've had students accepted and excel in major universities. K-State, KU, OU, Stanford, and even the Naval Academy. That's just to name a few. I can name more than that. When it comes to missing out on athletic opportunities, we have basketball for boys and girls, and we have volleyball for girls. And, and, and let me say this as gently as I can just to our church members, because I know you. As far as I've seen, there are no kids in our church that are going to be pro athletes. I'm just saying that gently, including mine. Mine's going to be the closest, but, but um, he's not going to be a pro athlete. All right? I've watched our kids play everything. I've coached them. They frustrate me. Um, It's not going to happen. Be careful about making a decision based on something they won't spend the rest of their lives doing. The question I would pose is this. I'm just trying to provoke thoughts. Is what they're missing out on by going to Fellowship Baptist Academy, that's athletic and academic, and I've already acknowledged they will, is that greater than what they're potentially missing out by not going? to FBA. What would they miss out on? A biblical worldview. Now, if you're homeschooling, I support that and can't deny that if you are a good Christian home, you are given that. Um, They're missing out on the intentional nurturing of their spiritual life. They're missing out on a weekly chapel service, a daily devotion, a curriculum that we've scripture all the way through it. You can't compare that. that. That's, that's a niche that we're able to provide that, that other than home, home education, the public education just can't abide. That they're, they're under limitations. They can't. I want to ask you what means more to you. As a parent, missing out on limited athletic or ad- academic opportunities or missing out on having teachers who love God, serve God, promote God, and don't tolerate, any, tolerate anything that opposes God. Yeah. Here's another one. If our kids don't go to the public school, then who's going to reach public school students? And my child won't be ready for the real world if they go to a Christian school. I was told this right outside in front of the resource center a couple years ago. Wasn't offended at all. It's a real hesitation. Let me speak to that. I would say that it's not wise to put the entire burden of reaching public school students on your child. I believe that a more effective way of reaching public school students is through Christian teachers. Yay, Christian teachers. And outreach from the church. To ask your student to be the influencer and not the influenced in an environment where they are grossly outnumbered is to expect something, according to the book of Proverbs, that's nearly impossible. It's possible, but it is incredibly difficult. Here's why. Because as a young person, Solomon calls them simple. There's the wise, the scorner, the simple, and the fool. The simple is the one that is gullible. They're simple only because of their age. They're not stupid. They're just easily influenced at that time. And so for for you to ask your child to come out of the mold of being simple when that's the world they live in right then, it's possible, but but it's it's very difficult. I've seen public school students remain pure and remain holy, and they lead their Bible clubs, and and, and at times they bring people to church. I've seen these things happen, but but in a big pattern, when when I look at statistics overall in our church, and I can only judge our church, I've not seen a student turn their school upside down for Christ. 
I, I've, in 90% or better, I've seen the student influenced more than they're in, influ, influencing. Does that make sense? Second, I, I think it's foolish to use the public education system as a means to prepare your child for the real world. Now listen, even our military knows the importance of training in a controlled and less risky environment before sending a soldier to war. Okay, that's why they have boot camp that is extremely strict because they want to train them in a controlled environment first. So as irresponsible as it would be for the army to have a, a soldier uh, sign a dotted line and then send them to Afghanistan without going to boot camp and training first, it, to me, is just as foolish for a parent to throw their child into a godless environment and hope they succeed. Like, like, like here, here's, the, here's my, my, my reasoning. The potential of destroying them is greater than the potential of preparing them. So, so the hesitation, the objection, well, I've got to prepare them for the real world. I'm just trying to tell you, that's probably not a wise way of parenting. Now, you can prepare them at home for the real world and then send them to public education and use that as building blocks. But to say I'm going to use a godless environment to prepare them for a godless environment is not a good argument. Does that make sense? I choose to use Fellowship Baptist Academy as a boot camp. Because inevitably my son's going to turn 18. And if he goes to a secular college, he's going to be forced into the real world. He's going to go to a, a, a Votech, start working a job, and he's going to be forced by age to enter into the real world. I want to spend as much time as I can in boot camp with him. Okay, what about, here's another, and this is the last one. What about those cubicles in there? Do they have to sit and stare at, at, at a wall all day in your school? My child's not self-motivated. I don't think they can excel in that environment. All right, let me speak to that. No, they don't have to stare at a wall all day. We're a real school, and they get three recesses a day, including lunch. All ages do. They're separated in the classroom by offices and dividers because it's not group learning. It's individualized learning. Each student sets their goals as given them by their teacher every day, and they have a goal card that is posted right in front of them. They are expected without apology to get those goals accomplished within the school day. If not, they take home homework. Now, parents, instead of being worried about whether or not your child can succeed, succeed in that style because they're not self-motivated, I think it would be a good idea to use it as a means by which to grow them in that area. Because if they're to be a success in any area of life when they get older, they're going to need to learn how to set goals and meet those goals without being micromanaged. Emmanuel Serrano, who... who, who who did well at Seward County Community College, doing well at K-State. Um, when we asked him what, what he learned most from Fellowship Baptist School, I think it's on our website, he commented on the fact that he was, what was developed in him was self-motivation. And what was developed in him was the ability to set his own goals and then reach those goals every single day. And then there was accountability if he didn't. There wasn't any of this like, I'm not going to do anything all semester long, and then the last two weeks of school, I'm going to go talk to my teacher and say, how many papers do I have to write to get a D? That didn't happen. Like, you don't do your schoolwork, you don't pass. You don't do your schoolwork for enough days at our school, you don't come back to school. So it's worse than even failing a grade. And, and Emmanuel said, man, that developed it within me. So parents, don't say, that's not going to work for my kid. Well, I understand that some kids aren't self-motivated. Mine included. I love you, Kevin, but mine included. He's not a kid that can't wait to sit in his... He just... He's, he's like, do I have to go to school today? He's not, like, killing to sit in the cubicle. But you know what Fellowship Baptist Academy is producing in him? 
an ability to work hard when he doesn't feel like it. And an expectation that we will accept nothing less than hard work. And hey, if you can use education as a means through which to teach that, that's awesome. That's worth the price of tuition. Overall, I just wanted to, I wanted you to know as a church why we have a Christian school. I wanted to provoke your thoughts in regard to some of the risk involved in other alternatives. And I wanted to speak to some of the main objections to Christian education. Here's what it ultimately comes down to. Listen, church, I'm done. It comes down to the heart of your child. The heart. There is no way we can put a price tag on a child's heart or mind. There's no way to calculate in dollars and cents the value of a young person who's doing the will of God from the heart. That's why I can say with confidence tonight that Christian education, it doesn't cost. It pays. It's an investment into eternity. So I want to encourage every parent and every would-be parent and every grandparent in here to take the responsibility of training your child in the Word very seriously. Because at Fellowship Baptist Church, we're taking our responsibility to teach them the Word very seriously. And together, our partnership can be used by God to propagate the faith to the next generation of Fellowship Baptist Church. Well, I don't want to ask if you agree because I'm not sure everybody does. But if you appreciate our school ministry, we just say amen together. Amen. We're not going to have a time of prayer tonight. I've um, got a few things that we want to cover before we take our offering and then have our open house. But thank you for your attention to the word. Here's what I want to say.